And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy of templeofmiriam.com, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Ms. Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will be joined by our special guest, Sister Girl in Los Angeles, California, from SisterGirlConjure.com, bringing us today's topic of candle glass divination. They will take your calls and offer advice to address of the real your age and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you will be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first we're going to catch up with our co-hosts, Miss Kat and Conjure Man Ali. How are you both doing this wonderful day? Well, I'm doing just fine. Um, it's been quite an interesting two weeks. We didn't have a show last week, and of course some people knew why and some people didn't know why, so just for the record, for the history books, the reason we didn't have a Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour last week was that we were under mandatory evacuation orders from the sheriff of Sonoma County and from Cal Fire. We live in California in Sonoma County in a little town called Forestville. We're just north of town. And um, if you ever want to look on a map, we're between Forestville and Mirabel. <laughs> we're in the middle of nowhere. And um, there was a, a crazy lightning storm that happened the week before. And it 10,200 lightning strikes hit northern and central California. It's never happened before. This is climate change in action, folks. It was really horrific. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were living here. We even talked about it on that show. Oh, my God, haven't seen chain lightning, haven't seen heat lightning like this since I lived in the Midwest. It was outrageous. Problem is, in the Midwest, when they have chain lightning or heat lightning, uh, sometimes called cloud lightning, there's a lot of different names for it, um, they also get rain about every, um, you know, seven to ten days. And so any little forest fire that would start gets put out. But here we don't have rain for um, a good six months. Now, there was rain that accompanied those lightning strikes, and um, but they lasted for a long time. And there wasn't enough rain, although there was hail where we lived and rain, but there wasn't enough rain to uh, wet the forest floor or wet the tree canopies. And so mm-hmm. about 350 fires were started by those 10,000 lightning strikes. And they started all over. They uh, couldn't control them. They began to merge and meld together. And uh, up where we live, it was called the LNU, lightning strike complex, whatever. And there were about four or five major fires near us, one of which was very close to our uh, property and our town. It also was even closer to the property of some of the employees of our shop. There's a Russian river runs right by our uh, house, and it's about um, 
It runs east and west, about a little bit, three-quarters of a mile north of us. And on the other side of that Russian river, there's a little town called Rionito, and that's where some of the employees live. And I'm just going to call out their names because they do have a GoFundMe trying to help them. Um, it's uh, Nicole Karavich and Althea Anderson. And so they were um, on their summer vacation. They got evacuated, so they couldn't get back in. But they actually sneaked oh, in wow. and, got their, and got their car, but they couldn't stay. And um, they got the car out. They had a um, camper. They, they were, you know, they had been taking a family vacation for the whole week while this fire had started. So um, right around Rio Nido, there's a mountain called Mount Jackson. It's the tallest mountain around here. It's like a little cone. It's a very neat little mountain. And um, the fire uh, was going up the back end of Mount Jackson, by which I mean the northeast, uh, excuse me, northwest end. And on top of Mount Jackson is the cell phone communication for the entire CAL FIRE, for all the fire departments, for all the telephones, and for all everything. So there was a big fight, a big struggle to save the top of Mount Jackson, where there were also webcams and just a whole lot of electronic equipment on top of Mount Jackson. They did manage to save it. It took days. Um, and be, by saving the top of Mount Jackson, which was a priority, that more or less helped save the town of Rionito, which was under the shadow of Mount Jackson. We yeah. knew that if Mount Jackson was overrun, the fire would come right down to the river, and all it would take would be one crown fire or um, cone, you know, when the, when the cones of the trees catch on fire, they sometimes explode, and it would go across the river probably. But if one tree fell across the river, that would get the fire to jump the river. Now, they were, of course, going to do everything they could to protect it. And also, there are pumping stations in the river because the river is used for drinking water. So they, were, mm. they, had, some, they had some backup plans. The town of Guerneville, which is to the west of us, also on the other side of the river, was threatened with fire. The Armstrongwood State um, Nature Preserve, which has got some of the oldest, most beautiful coast redwoods still alive, um, Mr. Armstrong donated his uh, forest in order to get this thing going years and years, 100 years ago. So um, there is one tree called the Colonel Armstrong. It's the largest tree. And, um, and this tree was saved. There was a whole strike force just mobilized to save the Colonel Armstrong tree. And there was some fire in the um, Armstrong woods, but it was minor. It was the kind of natural forest fire that usually goes through a redwood you know, just cleaning out the floor a little bit. Guerneville did not burn, um, but there was a lot of thought about it. Also, the Corbell Winery, which is a big champagne winery between Guerneville and Rio Nido, um, uh, was protected because Corbell has many, 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 many acres of vineyards on both sides of the river, and they brought all their bulldozers in and... Mm. Um, and did their own fire patrolling and making fire breaks. And Casadero, which was is well known as having used to be a music camp up there, it's a little town, Casadero. There were a lot of people up there who happened to have bulldozers for one reason or another. Either they were professional bulldozer operators or whatever. And their bulldozers, they came out, this ragtag group of five bulldozers came out of Casadero and um, with like, you know, nine operators, and they worked 24 hours a day building fire breaks all up along around Mount Jackson and, and around behind Guerneville and so and, and Armstrong Woods. So yay for that. They, they called themselves the boys from CAS, but there were some women bulldozer operators too. They were the guys from CAS, the people from CAS. Um, so they were, they were real, and, and some of them are related. They, they were just, you know, 
families with bulldozers. So that was pretty cool. Their bulldozers kept on breaking down. Some of those bulldozers were vintage bulldozers. It was pretty exciting (laughs) to see the films of them. Meanwhile, we had a guy named Bobby Payne, um, who was a, he's a firefighter, Coast Guard uh, trainer, uh, just all around good guy. And he was going up volunteering. He was not on the fire crews. He was retired from being a firefighter. He was volunteering spraying that red uh, fire retardant that they spray on things. He was just running up and down the canyons in Rio Nido. In Rio Nido, they don't always have streets. Some of them are just called Canyon 4. <laughs> That's the name of the street, right? Canyon 6, Canyon 9. So he was running up and down the canyons in Rio Nido, feeding people's cats that they left behind and putting on retardant and uh, posting these um, fantastic heartfelt videos from the cab of his vehicle and Boy, what a guy. He really was a saint. And um, and also there's a guy named Eric Gern who was running around. I believe he's a UPS driver, but he knows all the back roads because he's a UPS driver. And he was actually keeping the fire crews aware of where the roads were and what condition they were in because those fire crews had been flown in from as far away as Sacramento and had never been in this mm-hmm. particular part of the woods. So that's how we spent our week. We were in... Um, in the fire, first in the warning zone, then in the evacuation zone. But what we did was we were working on a book. And as you all know, the last show, we were talking about this new book, Stranger in the Cup, with with Gregory Lee White, Papa G. And this book uh, was going to be like written from start to finish and was going to be in time for the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, October um, 16th, 17th, and 18th, 2020. And so we were in total deadline mode. I mean, I didn't sleep very much. I don't know that Papa G did. He cleaned up um, images, Gray Townsend did the cover like in in a overnight, and one of the most beautiful covers he's ever done, and it was so quick. He also did one of the um, interior illustrations, and then he he, he was out of time because he had other jobs. Um, uh, Deacon Millet did um, one and a half of the other interior illustrations, did a lot of cleanup on old, old, great art about tea leaf reading, tea cups, and the tea craze, tea room craze, or tea room movement, as it's called. Um, and then Nagashiva did the other half of the one that uh, Deacon Millet had done. And so, meanwhile, I was writing up a storm, editing Gregory's writing, and the book actually has gone to press, believe it or not. So we did that. While we couldn't leave our property under threat of fire, with the fire just you know a mile and a half from our house, headed our way, but thank God for the Cal Fire teams, the volunteer teams, everybody, they stopped the fire before it crested Mount Jackson. And we had a bug-out plan. If it, if it jumped the river and got to Mirabelle Heights, we were going to leave, and that would have given us probably a half an hour to leave. And I also want to give a big shout-out to Amaker Bullwinkle, my friend, who was coming up to move somebody else's stuff and stuck around for a day to see if she needed to move our stuff, too. She had a big truck. and um, But we, we ended up saying, now, nah, you know, I think we're going to be okay, and we were. So that's why we didn't have a radio show, and I want to thank everybody for their prayers. There are so many people on Facebook and um, on Twitter who posted their prayers and were helpful. We made it. We're okay. 
Um, the shop is open again under COVID terms. Remember, now opening up doesn't mean you can walk in the shop. We're still mm-hmm. COVIDizing. Mm-hmm. So, but we're back to COVIDizing because we had nobody in the shop. Um, all of the employees were either evacuated or lived outside the evacuation zone and were forbidden to come in because there were police vehicles, fire trucks, and everything blocking all the roads right, to come in. So we were just sort of hanging on by a fingernail there for a while, but it all worked out. And I want to give my biggest shout-out of all to St. Florian. St. Florian is the Austrian and Bavarian saint of firefighters. And he is usually shown as a man with a millstone and a leather fire pitcher that he's pouring water on a building. He's shown as a giant standing over a house. I mean, a big giant, like a 45-foot guy, um, usually with flowers in the in the sky next to him, roses most often. He likes to have roses or any kind of red or orange flower as a gift because it reminds him of fire, I guess. Uh, he was a real man. He was one of those Roman centurion saints. Um, mm-hmm. He was... Um, he was a, you know, converted to Christianity. The Romans didn't like that, and he was a fireman. That was his occupation. And um, so they they said they were going to burn him at the stake because he was, um, you know, uh, had converted to Christianity. And he stood on the pile of wood and at the stake and said to all his troops who were firemen, he said, "If any of you think I'm wrong and can do it, go ahead, set me on fire." And they all refused. All the firemen stood down and wouldn't set him on fire. So the damned Romans just went and took a millstone from a, a water mill, a grain mill, and tied him to the uh, by the neck to the millstone and threw him in the water and drowned him. But he okay. has become, <laughs> yeah, poor man. <laughs> but he has become the saint of firefighters in Austria and in Bavaria. So when I was young, my mother, um, who was uh, born in Bavaria, um, although our family is Jewish. Uh, she was very uh, interested in, and my grandfather was very interested in, folk Catholic saints. And so I learned how to say um, St. Florian Hilfuns, which means St. Florian help us. And then when he does help, you say St. Florian hat geholfen. Uh, St. Florian has helped us. And so I was posting that and praying it. I'd walk around with my um, iPhone with a picture of St. Florian um, his, in Bavaria, there's a real uh, tradition of what's called reverse-painted glass, where they paint pictures of saints backwards on glass, and then they're framed already on the glass. And um, so I found uh, some images of St. Florian reverse-painted glass pouring water on houses. And I kept that as my my screen saver on my iPhone. And I'd walk up and down the hall, back and forth, back and forth, praying to St. Florian. And um, and he helped. St. Florian hat geholfen. So there we are. That's why we didn't have a radio show last week. And um, for all of those who wish us well, and we're so thankful. He was very kind. Everyone was very kind about it. And um, most people understood that we were limited in our able ability to communicate with people during that two-week period. So we're mm-hmm. back. All is well. Um Stranger in the Cup is at press. We have received our advanced copies of two other books that are coming out at the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. We've received the advanced copies of Bottle Up and Go, which is a book that Lara Rivera and I co-wrote. And we've received our um, advanced copies of The Guiding Light to Power and Success by Mikhail Strabo, about which we'll mention a little bit more later in this show. 
and they look good. We're real happy with them. Those will be going out to the first um, 120 people who buy tickets for the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And I'm sure at the end of the show, Jeremy will come back and talk all about the festival. But um, you'll get three books plus a big workshop box if you're among the earliest um, registrants to that festival. It's going to be held online. You can still buy tickets after the boxes are gone, but there's only so many boxes. Um, okay, now, having said all of that, um, I'm just going to say what what Jerry Lee Lewis said to Chuck Berry after going out and playing the piano and Chuck Berry was going to follow him on stage. Top that, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you all were okay because I was very worried for a while. <laughs> Um, and it, just because there's a there's a phenomenal image that was uh, floating around the internet. If anyone can check it out, it showed all the fires in California, and it literally was the entirety of California. It was like everything north of LA was on fire. It, there mm-hmm. were so many fires in California, and we're and then at the same time that that's going on, you've got this pandemic. And then at the same time of the pandemic, you have a Category three or four hurricane. Two of them barreling mm-hmm. down the Gulf just knocked Louisiana and Houston out uh, with storms so massive that they were hitting D.C. and New York and, and Philadelphia. Uh, so it's, it, I mean, weather-wise, it is, climate change is real. It's affecting all of us. I mean, the, the idea that I have a colleague who works in, in, in climate science, and one of the things he said is, uh, all the predictions that say we need to reverse course or things are going to get bad in 2050, uh, he says those are the those are the optimistic predictions. The reality is we're already living through it. The, the worst case scenario is already happening. We see mm-hmm. 2050 in order to get people on board, to get people to change. But the reality is the worst case scenario is happening. We got these massive uh, torrential rains in Karachi, for example. It's, it's so it's. 2020 is doing its most. Uh, as I joke, I said, if this was a uh, TV show, no one would believe it. <laughs> it's it's become right. unbelievable. It's gotten to the point where it's unbelievable. Hurricanes, fires, and a pandemic? Come on. You're, you, you've got mm-hmm. to stop this. So, so I'm very glad that you all are all right. But it, I, I have to comment on the, such a it's such a tourist thing that in the middle of a massive fire, you all still manage to put out a book. Like, I just, that is too, too good. Like, come rain, <laughs> come snow, come sleet, you, you will keep on working and get that book done, which is, which is just too good. Thank too you. Good. And Thank it, you for it, noticing. I'm I got, so I got, by that. I got a couple of harsh words along the way from people who didn't get it, you know, but um, a book is forever. I mean, you yes, know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. today's lunch is today's lunch, but a book is forever. And That's I skipped true. a damn few lunches and I lost some weight too, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's that determination. Once you set your mind, you're like, I'm going to publish this book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Some right, rain or right. snow, I'm going to do it. And you did. I am so imp- And also like the turnaround on it was fast because we were all privy to when the idea came about. It wasn't like six months ago. It was, it was two weeks ago, barely two weeks I know. ago. I, I know. It was It was not the fastest book. Pim, Pim's, or Paper in My Shoe, I call it Pim's because that's its skew number. Um, Paper in My Shoe was, uh, was the fastest, 10 days. But this was 
freaking fast because so much of it was art that had to be cleaned up. And I got to say, Papa G just threw himself into it. And not only that, he designed a label for a whole brand of tea and packaged the tea while a lot of this oh, was wow. going on too. Oh wow! Yeah. So people who buy the buy the um, the ticket f- festival tickets are going to get a package of the tea as as well as the book. Oh, it's, that sounds nice. I mean, sounds this nice. is we threw ourselves into this one, and um, the book is beautiful. Um, it's really a charming look at the history of tea leaves and tea leaf reading and um, and the history of the tea rooms. And um, as some of you know, or most of you who are regular listeners know, I maintain a, a website called The Mystic Tea Room. And it was mm-hmm. named after a real tea room called The Mystic Tea Room. Um, but in that uh, Mystic Tea Room, I'm going to be spending my time between now and the festival adding more stuff to the Mystic Tea Room. I've been working oh, on it cool. since 2008. You know, it's one of those hobby sites for me. 2008, mm-hmm. I started mm-hmm. it. I've been adding, adding, adding. But I'm I'm going to put a little push in. In fact, I probably will be hiring a helper to upload. It's a wiki, if, if you know what I'm saying, Ollie. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like mm-hmm. AIR, like the um, Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. It's a wiki. So it's very easy to manipulate and um, I hope that by the time of the festival, the the uh, Mystic Tea Room will have probably doubled in size because I have all this stuff in my hard drive I never oh, uploaded. Wow. I, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be that's kind of my little gift to the world. I like to do this. I'm thinking, and uh, you may this is you heard it here first. You know, people people often do these websites where they you know they where they make um or YouTube videos or and they ask for sponsorship. And the Mystic Tea Room doesn't really sell much. And I'm thinking of asking for sponsorship, people to you know to, to you know send me ten bucks or something, because it's mm. it's a big project. It's it's um it's one of those what I call hub sites for the whole web. There's no other site like it, so mm-hmm. it might as well be there, and I might as well be the one who runs it, and it might as well some people who may want to. I'll, I'll be sending out some sort of a call for money, and I, not a lot, you know, just send me five bucks, ten bucks. I just need to be able to. Um, devote some time to it and that means I can't be reading for people reading you know cards or something I need mm-hmm. to make a little money mm-hmm. so I can I only got so many hours in the day you know and I'm 73 years old we got to you know we got to streamline my day here so if you mm-hmm. like the mystic tea room send me some bucks and um but don't not until I put up the ad okay I'll, I'll put up an ad well, all right I anyway. got I got to I, I got to say that I mean this is a test anytime someone says Tauruses are lazy. <laughs> this is what I'm going to point to right here. This particular show, because you've got Papa G, who's who's putting out teas and he's doing all this. You've got you, who's in the middle of a fire, manage all this, and now you're going, all right, next step is the Mystic Tea Room. It's just one of those moments right. where you go, and the, the, the whole stereotype of Taurus as being lazy is just proven untrue. Funny enough, like, actually, we had a power outage where it's not as, not as dire as a fire in any way, shape, or form. But we had power outage, and so you know what I did? I just downloaded do? all my clients, and I finished all the readings in one night for like a whole oh, week. Oh yes, I just yes, finished exactly. all those readings. I'm like, you know what? The power's out. Might as well just do this. Type type <laughs> stuff up. We'll be good to go. <laughs> so good so my you. entire good month of you. September, I've got I've only got like two geomancy slots open because I finished it all <laughs> wow. in a day. Wow. That's fantastic. That's great. And I, I just have to shout it, uh, out to Nagashiva, who is a Scorpio, but has Taurus rising. 
Ah, there no, you I'm sorry. Not no, no. I'm sorry. Sagittarius rising. He has his moon in Taurus. Moon in Taurus. Moon so Taurus. he's a Scorpio with the moon in Taurus. So he can kind of keep up with us. Oh, that's too good. Too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, boy, it was it was quite a project. So I'm I'm pretty happy. I I you know I had to sleep for another two days to you know recalibrate my uh, internal clock, but I'm okay. I used to, you know, when I was young, I used to sleep one day after an all-nighter, and I could sleep one day after three all-nighters. But now I have to sleep two days. I guess that's I, what I getting think, old does to you. I think you're, it's well-deserved. Yeah. Well-deserved. I don't yeah. sleep all day. I mean, I have to just, my, my clock goes wacky, and I have to sleep for 20 minutes and wake up and sleep and wake up until finally my, my it goes click, click, and I'm back on track. All right. All righty. Well, let's let's get to our topic. I'm sorry that was a long digression. And as I said, Jeremy is going to come back at the end of the show, and he's going to tell us all about the festival. So we'll we'll get to that later. Uh, and I hope you all are, as Stan Lee used to say, saving your shekels to buy those tickets. Sister girl, help, sister girl. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> well, you know how we're doing. How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm okay. I'm staying close to home and just making a few trips out and, and wearing my mask and, you know, just trying to keep my spirits up. Mm. All right. Well, yeah. I I am very glad that you're here with us. This has been a, this has been a, a, a real interesting time for many people. Um, I haven't talked with you in a while, so let me just say as far as keeping your spirits up, I have not. Um, been off my property since February 26th. Oh, <laughs> so, oh wow! <laughs> remember when I mentioned walking up and down? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what I do. I walk up and down the hall to get my steps in, so that I can make my you know mile or two walk a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty. I feel like a caged tiger. I just walk up yeah. the hall with my little. I have to say, there's some herb. Um, I've been taking rhodiola root and that's been helping me a lot it's it's very good for anxiety and depression and if uh if it's if it doesn't interact with anybody's you know doctor recommendation it's pretty good what's the name of that again rhodiola r-h-o-d-i-o-l-a root okay root okay yeah all right well i'm going to make a recommendation too i'm going to recommend (laughs) moo moo tea 16 herb moo tea from um, George Asawa, the guy who invented macrobiotics. This is a tea. Um, this is a tea I first had back in, gosh, back in the 1960s. Macrobiotics was a big fad, and um, but this um, this um, moo tea is contains only herbs that are considered tonics in traditional. Asian medicine. I, I can't call it traditional Chinese medicine because it's Japanese, but you know, traditional Japanese. It's the same herb list, basically. It is really good for lifting your spirits. If you add black tea to it, you you know you get the caffeine rush. But it's just non-caffeine, amazing stuff. It has um, uh, ginseng, ginger, um, licorice, and crazy. It has cilantro root in it. Okay. Oh, I mean, nice. It's really interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's and it's got a whole bunch of Asian plants that, I, you know, no one knows the common names of in America. Can you find that <laughs> online? 
Yes, yes, you can. Um, the guy's name is George, but it's spelled like um, the French way with an S on the end. And his name is Osawa, um, um, O-H-S-A-W-A. George Osawa, and what you want is Moo Tea, M-U. And it's um, it has it's 16-herb Moo Tea. I, you know, I cannot recommend it enough. It is, the licorice alone will, you know, get you up out of bed. I mean, the licorice alone will just send you to, you know, into vibratory states. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> it's really, it's something. And, you know, it's so funny. Um, it used to be available every place hippies lived. I mean, you just walk into any kind of hippie tea store and there'd be moo tea. But now it's only available as Osawa brand. Uh, you know, the fad for microbiotics kind of faded away, but the tea remains. And it is, uh, it's one for the ages. It's really good. Um, mm. Nobody. It's funny. Nobody in the chat room says they know what it is, and uh, and so um, I'm just going yeah, to tell you, moo tea, moo tea. Oh yeah, and and I'm going to tell you something too. You got to sweeten it. It you don't want it just straight up. You're going to put in a a square of candied ginger to sweeten it. You could put it in honey. Honey is good, but since it already has ginger, a square of candied ginger to sweeten it because it's a little on the medicinal side. But it, when it huh. sweetens okay. up, I mean it's. Just that, and 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 as always, we thank Papa G for the square of ginger. You can order it online. Uh, Oyama is asking, how do I order? Maybe someone could just go and check it out. Uh, Nagashiva will find um, where we order it from, and he will post it. I'm sure there are many places that sell it. But thanks, um, thanks Papa G for the ginger, and thank you Nagashiva for looking up and putting that moo tea. All right. Onward. So that was about dealing with um, anxiety, depression, and um, and whatever. Um, yeah. So, other than that, how are you doing? Really fine. Just you know, doing readings and talking to people and uh, planning life with or with you know in the future. <laughs> That's all. Mm-hmm. We can always do. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, we have a topic that you've brought us today, which is um, reading candle glasses. And Shiva's having yeah. trouble finding the uh, the Osawa tea. And I'm going to tell him just quick before we go there. Shiva, just look in our order forms that we've, we've paid for it. It would be under mm, money, you know. Probably paid with PayPal, maybe. Okay. <laughs> he wrote, yes, some computer somewhere. All right. Um, so um, let's talk about about reading candle glass. Now I'm going to just start with a little trip through history here. Of course, as we know, Novena candles really only came into being, uh, you know, after the um, turn of the 20th century. Prior to that, all candles were uh, straight up, or they were in paper cups, maybe. Um, but glass candles uh, started out when um, borosilicate glass was invented, which wouldn't crack, you know, kind of what we call Pyrex. And there are varying degrees of it. And, of course, sometimes they screw up the formula and you get candle glass that cracks. Have you ever wondered why? It's because it wasn't tempered enough or what was not, didn't have the, wrong, the right formula in the um, borosilicate. Okay, so having said that, let's go back to reading wax. Reading wax goes back a long way, and it actually seems to have its roots simultaneously or intertwined with reading lead. So in Scandinavia, Germany, and so forth, um, people poured 
um, lead into water, and then shapes were formed, and they would read the shapes. And these shapes had meanings, definite meanings. It wasn't like a, a Rorschach test. What do you see? Oh, I see this. I see that. Now, there was a reader, and the reader saw something. What he saw or she saw was, um, you know, the the, the proper uh, definition of what that omen was. You could read about the lead pouring and wax pouring in some um, extent in the book Trolldom by um, Johannes Gardbach. Mm-hmm. There were people whose specialty that was. And often they would, um, the patient would lie down on their back and the pot of water would be held over the patient and then the lead would be poured into the pot over the patient so that it would have the... Um, the result of reading the patient's disease, and which could be a spiritual disease as well as a physical disease, and then would show the um, what to do for it. Well, this kind of ceremony, pouring wax into water, was pretty popular. But also, there's a this um, tradition of reading the candles themselves, and this developed um, during the 20th century when candles became more common. Uh, they weren't also expensive. Petroleum wax was invented. Uh, so the beeswax candles of the Catholic Church um, were not the only source of these expensive candles. You could buy petroleum wax candles, um, and they came in various colors that were um, uh, decoratively uh, sometimes carved or shaped or molded. And by 1941, um, a guy named Mikhail Strabo uh, began to write about the meanings of the candles as they burned and the signs left in the candle stand. And some of these meanings were you know, fairly common, like if a candle drips little tears, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, if a candle drips in the form of a ship, if the wax makes it looks like a ship with little masts on it, you would take a voyage, um, and so forth. And Mikhail Strabo was the first person who actually collected these from the African-American community. And why and how he did so is kind of an interesting little sidelight on hoodoo history. Um, Mikhail Strabo was a a Jewish guy. His real name was Sidney J. Rosenfeld Steiner. And he was interested in African-American folk magic, and he had become friends with a woman who was an Anglo-Saxon woman named Adele Clemens, who was a collateral relative of Mark Twain, the uh, author, humorist, whose last name was Clemens, Samuel Clemens. And she had done something rather unusual for a white woman from Pennsylvania. She moved to New York and became the lover and um, more than lover, I guess you would say partner, but not married, partner, of a black spiritualist preacher. And she lived in Harlem. And um, he had a, a spiritualist church, um, Harlem Resurrection Divine Spiritualist Church, and she became a medium there. She was a spiritualist medium, and he did candle services, and she assisted. And in the book, um, The Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic, I reprinted a little pamphlet that Mikhail Strabo had published called How to Conduct a Candlelight Service by Adele Clemens, which he had really taken from her uh, and, and, and put it into booklet form. And that was her work. And so in the book, um, A Candle to Light, Your, A Candle to Guide Your Way, he, he, um, 
he wrote a little pamphlet, another pamphlet, 32-page pamphlet. And this thing, he put in how to read the candles. And it took off. It was like hugely popular. And so within a year, in 1942, he doubled the book in size and called it The Guiding Light to Power and Success, a search um, uh, the use of the candles in the search for the truth. And it was about prayer. Um, it's about um, African-American folk magic. It's parallels and is very similar to the work that um, Zora Neale Hurston collected and published in 1931 in the book that, in the um, article, Who in America, that later became part of the book Black and White Magic of Marie Laveau. So I just worked on this book and have just... Um, reprinted it, and I also included a couple of Zora Neale Hurston's examples to show how they kind of fit into what Mikhail Strabo had found. But this book, it came out in 42, and by the time I first encountered it in 1964, every everybody knew this book. Um, it was interesting talking to Sister Girl before the show. I talked with you, and you said uh, you didn't weren't not familiar with it. So this is why we have to reprint these books. But the reason I mention it is because many of the signs that are found in candle glass are the same as you would find in a standalone candle. The, the popping of the wick, the the you know the, the different different things. Now there are other forms. The, the smoke makes forms instead of the wax making forms often, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to show that there's a continuity. The Novena candles existed in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, but mostly for the Catholic Church. And it wasn't until 1976 when Marty Mayer of Indio, well, he was selling it to international imports at the time, Skippy Candles, but he came up with um, his own Lama Temple brand, and eventually this became Indio Products, Cultural Heritage, it spread out, also Crusader Candle, Mystic, there's a whole bunch of different companies, um, who began to make Novena candles with secular labels. So they would say fast luck on them instead of um, St. Expediti. And that was in 1976. So the, the reading of candle glass has developed in black folklore and folk magic since 1976, primarily. The reading of um, saint-labeled candles is a little earlier and would be found, um, you know, also in, in among American black Catholics. That's my intro. Take it away, Sister Girl. All yours now. Well, that's really interesting, and I and I wished I had known about that book, or wish it had been in print when I started doing my candles, because I would love to know what other people thought. I've had you know candle readings from different people, and the readings that they gave me were very interesting, but I didn't understand their symbols. So I just wanted to bring this topic up. Because what I found in burning candles for people and what happens to the glass, what happens to the candle, the wick, and all that, it seems as if there's pretty there's a, there's there's been a pattern that I've seen, and they're not patterns that I had heard of. So I just thought I'd discuss it to to, to discuss what I've found and to hear about what you have found and to just discuss it because it's uh I think it's more than just the fog on the glass and more and it and even if the the candle the the glass breaks you know sometimes there's a meaning in that even though it technically is uh the chemical compounds of the glass you know there's, there's of course there's, yes and i found so when when candles go out you know that has a meaning although i don't tend to be satisfied to let the candle go out i tend to want to work it a little but um you know there's meaning in that too mhm 
Yeah. So, um, well, yeah. Th- yeah, there's there's a whole question also about do you um do you let the candle do its thing and just accept it mm-hmm. or do you um you know, uh do you try to mess with it and make it better? I personally I personally do not. I I just my personal philosophy is don't just let it uh, go out because most of the time it's a communication candle or a reconciliation candle, and that's telling me that somebody doesn't is giving up. Or um, if it's a money candle, maybe someone's just not being vigilant of their finances or they're in a real tough bind. And I tend to want to work it as much as I can. I'll light it. I'll relight it as many as through two, three times. I'll splint the wick with a few matchsticks. I mean, I'll do a lot to try to get it to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's an interesting um, uh, thing, what we split, splinting the wick. I learned splinting the wick in the spiritual church. And, um, you know, that's a that's a whole um, issue. Some people will not splint the wicks. If, a, if the wick goes out, they go, that candle mm-hmm. is out and it's a bad result and they're done. But I learned um, several ways to splint a wick. You can buy um, waxed wick uh, from any candle crafts store and you use an awl or something to poke down in and put that waxed wick in um you can use a match it's a very quick splint um and there's um there are other splint techniques and by the way some of these little crazy secret splint techniques are going to be taught by Mikhail Maurer at the um at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, she's got a whole cool. thing about altar hacks. Altar hacks. So I'm not going to give away all her tricks because, boy, she's got some <laughs> really good hacks. <laughs> so, um, but splinting the wick um, is something that a, that a lot of people do in the spiritual church because you want to keep the candle going, right? Um, yeah. It's called a, it's called a splint in the sense that if you have a broken arm, you put a splint, you know, on your arm. That's why it's called splint wicking. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who first came up with that term. It's good. it's an old term, splinting the wick. Um, and um, but when you when you do this, you get these signs. And I'm I'm going to just give you some examples. When a candle burns really slow, because say you're burning it outdoors, so you don't want the smoke in your house, and the weather is really really cold, you'll get concentric rings, almost like they look like um like layers of sediment when the temperature drops the wax will not burn up against the glass and it won't melt and slide down the glass. So overnight, it'll get a little ring. Then during the day, it'll melt down Then again overnight. And these rings are, again, all of these things can be described physically, but the rings have a meaning. You know, they have a, they, there's a meaning to the rings. There's, um, if a candle burns all the way down to the bottom of the glass and there's a big thick ring of unburned wax, that always means something is not finished this candle did not was not able i said the candle was not able to move that situation 100% there's still leftovers and what those leftovers are can be known to you by the position of the ring in other words if the ring is 100% all the way around let's say a big old orange ring um you know that there's something left from the past that hasn't been dealt with that have to be dealt with before that candle can accomplish its purpose. And what I mean by has to be dealt with, usually I mean in the, quote, real world, not the, quote, spiritual mm-hmm. world. In other mm-hmm. words, you got to go talk to somebody. you got to uh, turn in that um, piece of paper to the DMV, whatever it is. Whatever it is you need to do, you need to do it. And 
oh, you got to get that doctor's checkup. That healing ain't going to work. you got to go back to the doctor. So um, if it was a ring of blue wax and healing candle. But there's another way to read those, too, and this has to do with the front of the label and the back of the label. So most candles, glass candles, have a front label and a back label. Not all, but most do. If they do, the front of the candle represents things that you know, things that you can look at. If it's on your altar, you're looking at it. So if the ring is all burned away on the front and only the ring is like, say, two-thirds or half on the back, that means something out of your sight needs to be dealt with. And you're going to have to do a divination. You can't, the, candle can't, the candle's just telling you, I could go so far, no farther, and it's secret. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have to find it out in the spiritual world. It might still be a physical that, thing you have to do, right? Yeah. But well, you mentioned if the, the ring is... Oh, the, okay, I just ahead. want to finish this. Just a second. If the ring yeah. that's left is only in the front and not in the back, you can tell the client or tell yourself, if it's your candle, I already know what this is. Because it's not in the back. There's no secret about it. Okay, you go on. No, you mentioned the the front uh, label. Uh, I mm-hmm. have found on some occasions the front label will burn. The heat will oh, yeah. burn through that front right. label, and or maybe I've taped a name paper on it and it'll burn. And for right. me, that has meant that someone is really burning you, like someone's talking bad about you, someone's slandering you, maybe saying bad things about you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What have you found? I, I, have, I have saved some of these uh, that are the craziest candles I've ever seen. One of them was a psychic vision candle, and our psychic vision candle has three eyes. It's two eyes and then a third eye where the third eye would be, right? And I burned a psychic vision can for someone who wanted to become a psychic reader. And the third eye burned completely through with a big smoke plume, black charred Ooh, smoke wow. plume going up from the third eye up to the crown. And my assessment of that was this person was mentally unstable and should not become a psychic reader. Mm-hmm. Because their third mm-hmm. eye just burned out, man. Woo! So, yeah, I've seen some crazy. And it was, like, so specific. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen other ones where there is a a man and a woman candle that can't, they, you know, they're hugging or looking at each other. It's a love candle. And um, the person who burns it, whatever gender they are, the opposite gender has just burned out. It's gone. The whole body, the whole head, everything, poof, just gone. And that tells me that person does not want to be in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is, this is part of the ability to read these candles involves a combination of Understanding some of those traditional meanings, right, that you've listed, things that have been kind of passed mm-hmm. down from from time, but also developing your own language when it comes to yes. reading, particularly when it comes to the kind of images that show up on the glass candle themselves. Um, some mm-hmm. of them will be associated with, say, a spirit helper that you have. Uh, you know, for example, let's say your grandma really loved roses, uh, and roses show up. It's a sign from grandma, right? So the, the images that show up on the glass itself, the streaks that are left, the formations that, that show up, will often have some very traditional meanings, right? Tears mean something, mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as things that are related to you as a reader. And this is why no two readers are going to read the candles the same way. There's going to have this sort of personalized component to it or personalized vocabulary. I did want to ask you, Kat, and, and you're, I think, better at best... Uh, suited to answer this is that I was very I was always very interested in I know the roots of Mikhail Strabo's work and I know he drew a lot from the spiritualist church and I wonder if 
some of these readings came from, because in the spiritualist church, one form of reading is they have the long white candles, and then they take a white plate, and they pass it over yes. the candles, and they read yes. the images that the burns. And I wonder yes. if some of the candles, ah, oh, see, I knew you would know. I knew you would know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is, is called capnomancy, and yeah. that is smoke reading. Um, yes. Uh, and and um, the smoke reading uh, is another thing that was practiced in the spiritualist church. And this is what I was trying to get at, and thank you for kind of reminding me to put this together. So wax reading on, on candles, smoke reading on the white plate, this is how reading in the glass developed. This is exactly how reading in the glass developed. Um, and so um, capnomancy was... Um, very popular in the black spiritual churches, and you're absolutely right. They used white plates for a lot of stuff, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and so the idea here. But there are again certain things that are seen, and again, this is a this goes back to tea leaf reading, and so many things go back to tea leaf reading. I know it sounds yeah, sort of yeah, funny, yeah, yeah. but but the symbols are the same. In other words, if you mm-hmm. saw an acorn or a tree or a squirrel or whatever it might be, a ship. In the smoke, it would have the same meaning as in tea leaf reading. Yeah. And um, tea leaf reading comes out of, um, well, theoretically it comes out of China. As far as I can tell, it comes out of Scotland. And I'm just going to say it comes out of Scotland and leave it there. But you can't prove it. Um, but it, but as in many things in hoodoo, ha- there are some Scottish admixtures um, that black practitioners picked up from Scottish and Irish and or Scots slash Irish um, immigrants in America because all of this particular type of work was not done in Africa. Tea leaf reading was not done in Africa. But, um, so, but, it, but, but those symbols became quickly known. I would say in the 19th century, they were already mm-hmm. known in the black community, uh, especially after emancipation. So another thing uh, that it kind of relates is when the glass breaks. I know a lot of people, when their glass breaks, they get really worried. They think, oh, no, mm-hmm. that means it's over. That means all is lost. That means it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But I've actually found if in, in, say, some love candles that I've done, that sometimes the, the breaking of the glass um, symbolizes the starting, uh, uh, the chance for a fresh start. That mm-hmm. some some breakthrough has happened, and that's been on yes. two separate cases. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um, you know, this is a this is a whole thing about what does breakage mean, and I'm going to mention something else because the breakage of glass, as it relates to candle reading, also relates to the breakage of glass in bottle jar and box spells. In other words, there are old African American spells that go are made in bottles and jars in which breaking the glass is part of the spell. And so they may be spell of confining something and then releasing it or whatever. Anyway, you can read more about that, about breaking breaking the glass, breaking the bottle, in the book Bottle Up and Go, which will be out at the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. I'm not trying to just promote that, but it it is in that book. And if you kind of mm-hmm. correlate those. So breaking the glass candle, the ca- glass candle breaking, can be either good or bad. Breaking the glass yeah. I- yeah. in a bottle spell can be good or bad, depending on what your intention mm-hmm. is and what you put in the bottle. So in a, in a um, breakup candle, 
for instance, where you want to mm-hmm. have two people break up, and you put two but two names, you write them not touching each other, you use pinking shears, the little zigzag scissors to cut them apart. You put one on each side. You maybe label in the front, label yep. in the back, or maybe, you know. And now the candle glass just breaks. Well, that broke them up. That's good for what you're yep. going to do. Yep. Yep. Um, cut and clear, or a breakup that leads to a new, more firm uh, reconnection, is um, a, a risky kind of work to undertake as a root doctor. Very few root doctors say, I'm going to break you up to mend you. But it can be done. It is done. And sometimes it is necessary. So yes, mm-hmm. in those cases, the broken glass would say, okay, it's a cut and clear. We are we are breaking this and we're going to just rebuild right. it from the ground up. So yeah, I agree and with this, you on that. And this highlights something that, that I've said on this show before is that Readings can really fall into two categories. It's not two distinct categories, but there's a sort of spectrum. On one end is what we call analytic reading. These are a little bit more formulaic. Astrology is a prime example of this. Not all astrologers are good psychics. Let's be honest, right? They're not. We've met some astrologers, and and some of them are just by the book, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. the moon is here, and this means that, and this Mm -hmm. is very much. And some of them will go so far as just to quote old, quote old astrologers, like, like they're lawyers, mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. precedent, right? The other mm-hmm. end of the spectrum is you, you need to be intuitive. And the intuitive readings include tarot, but very much these forms of candle reading. Now, there's a lot of mm-hmm. people, there's, there's stuff in between, and some people are in the middle who can do a little bit of both. But this requires a level of intuition that not everyone has and has to develop over time. So if you're new to candle reading, you've got to recognize that you're not just memorizing a set of attributes or a set of meanings. That is a good start. You then have to develop your own intuition. You have yeah. to be able, and this is, the, the glass breaking is a perfect example of this. Classically, oops, that's a bad thing. But the intuition mm-hmm. can say, wait a minute, no, this is a breakthrough. In the case of a breakup, the glass breaking is a good thing, right? But in other right. instances, the glass breaking may be an indication that the person is fighting back, that there's resistance, that they're powerful, and you're unable to kind of break through there. So the intuition plays a very important role here and should be cultivated. One way that you could do this is to keep track of the symbolic language. Write it down. Don't just, you know, oh, this means, write it. I'm okay, I saw a cat here. I saw, I saw a pigeon there. I saw tears here. Write down what you think it means and then double check. Start to develop that language of intuition. Start to develop yes. that language of symbology because that will help you uh, understand the context of those candles, understand a more, uh, uh, interpret it in a more holistic fashion so that you're not just sitting there throwing out. And you can tell the difference between a really good candle reader and a bad candle reader. If the bad candle reader is seeing separate images, whereas the good mm-hmm. candle reader is seeing a whole picture. That is so true, and it's true of, uh, true of tea leaf reading, too, because you have to put yep. it together. Yep. Same with, same with uh, tarot cards. If somebody reads three separate tarot cards rather than a three-card cut, you can tell right away they're just going by the book. Yep. Now, uh, Doc Murphy had a question um, and comment about candles that crack but don't shatter and with wax leaking out um, and referred to it as a mess. Well, it's a specific kind of mess. It's very interesting. I'm going to give you the best example I ever found, um, and I think I've mentioned this on the radio before. Um, a, a dear friend, in fact, I just mentioned her, <laughs> a 
Amaker Bullwinkle. I said how she was going to help us evacuate. Amaker um, was in a horrific motorcycle accident. She's uh, Aries, got to have their motorcycles, you know. She was um, hit by a car, thrown off her bike, and um, she suffered an internal severing of her skull from her spine without breaking her spinal cord. Uh, they put her into an induced coma. Lucky for her, she got taken to Stanford, and there, you know, there's like three people at Stanford. This one doctor had managed to save people with this weird injury, and she was one of them. And um, she was in an induced coma for a long time. She also was crushed up by the by the um, by the hit, and so besides the, the head problem, there was a lot of other problems. Well, um, uh, Deacon Millet. As, as a close friend of hers, and I am a good friend of hers, and we've known hers for years and years. Deacon Miller went to college with her. So we decided we were going to do some candles. So we did a a, um, a healing candle. And the healing candle we used was uh, one with um, uh, Our Lady of Grace. In other words, the, um, the Virgin Mary with her hands down and outward. And we burned this. We all prayed over it. We were just, she was in an induced coma. We didn't know if she'd live and if she did live, whether she'd have the use of her hands or whether she would um, be paralyzed from the neck down or whether she would be brain dead. I mean, we really didn't know. It was like, so we lit this candle. Candle burned beautifully all down through Mary's head, all down through Mary's body. And when it got to Mary's left hand, the glass, what I call politely cracked, it just cracked, mm. and all the wax, the blue wax, just poured out of Mary's left hand and just ugh, poured out all over the floor. And I interpret this that as she will recover completely except for the movement of her left hand. And in fact, that was true. And she has since done physical therapy, and she does have the movement of her left hand back, but it took a long time. Um, it was she had wow. to wear a brace for a long time and so forth. But it was the and it was this look on Mary's face as she said, "Sorry, I can't heal this left hand. I can do everything else, but I can't heal that left hand." So when I see a, what I call the polite crack, it is as if the spirit associated with that candle, the person who you may be praying for, the person whom you may be praying to for intercession, or the saint or deified being or God or goddess who you may be praying to, is telling you what what to expect, sort of preparing you. Mm. Um, the broken um, wax on a love candle, the broken glass on a love candle that just leaks wax, often, of course, would be interpreted on a freestanding candle is tears. It would be just tears and tears and tears would flow. And that's, in fact, what it looked like on that candle for Amaker Bullwinkle. Oh, wow. wow. All right. Wow. Well, um, our our uh, segment is over, and I wish we could go on, but there's so much more. Remember what Ali said, um, analytic versus intuitive, and remember what, what Sister Girl said Develop your own way of reading candle glass. There is no one way to do it. These are the two most important takeaways from this panel discussion, folks. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to um, turn this over to Jeremy, and he's going to bring us our client. Well, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Ms. Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man Ali. And this week's special guest, Sister Girl, will be right back. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and bring on our first client, who is Sun and Stars. Sun and Stars, are you there? I'm here. Fabulous. Sun and Stars tells tells us that she has never been on the show before, but um, she has had a reading about the particular topic about which she's calling um, from either uh, Conjure Man Ali or Miss Cat on uh, May 22nd or and or August 5th. Is that correct? Yes, I have right? two of them with yeah with Miss Cat, both of them. Wonderful. And um, she writes in that she has a doll baby, but he's a little distant since. Hardly reaches out when we are not together. Only see him once a week now. But when I'm around, he's great. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I'm glad to know that it's, it is working somewhat, because I believe when you started, we were in a much worse position. Correct? Uh, as far as seeing him, yes. But as far as reaching out, he is worse than ever. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I think we're we're going to do a reading on this. And here's my, my take on it. Um a lot of times you wish you could change someone's personality, but it's very hard to do so. People cling to who they are and how they see themselves through it all. And you can work the doll baby. Now, you said you have this um, this doll baby. Um, I'm going to ask you, and you don't need to get too specific, but what are you doing with the doll baby? you keep it just wrapped up, or are you uh, talking to it, cuddling it? What are you doing? I sleep with it every day, every night, I mean. Oh, Either yeah. on my chest. Yes, I sleep with him every night, either on my chest or next to me. When I wake up, I'm brushing my teeth, whatever, I put him under my pillow. If I live in the house, mm-hmm. I wrap him up in my underwear, I put him on my underwear thing. And mm-hmm. um, during the day, if I'm watching TV, I put him in my bra and I have him all day. I rub his back, his mm-hmm. legs, I talk to him. I tell him what I want to hear, what I want to do, things like that. And mm-hmm. actually two times he actually said to me two things that I said to him to say. But he wow. also told me about a week ago, he also looked at me out of nowhere and he said, um, so you took a hair from me and a shirt that I used and you put a spell on me, huh? <gasps> he he oh. said that to me. And I looked at oh. him and I said, um, what are you talking about? I said, oh, I'm just kidding. And I was oh like, what? And I said, oh, no, I'm just kidding. I was just messing with you. And I was like, oh. Oh, no, no, he's not kidding. He kn- All right. Now, this is interesting. So I hope everyone mm-hmm. got that. That's, that yeah. is interesting. Yeah. So but when you're working he doesn't, doll, he, baby. he doesn't go to those places. He doesn't go to places like that to get readings or nothing because he doesn't really like that stuff. So I don't know how he got that. 
mm-hmm. well, he may come from a family that knows about this stuff. He may not go to a reader. A lot of this stuff is in the family. You know, for all we know, his his mother, his sister, his grandmother, somebody told him this is what she did. They may have his done a reading mom, or they may I'm sorry. His, his mom don't believe in that either. She would not speak to me. She knew that I even anything. You know, I talked to her like every other day. He doesn't have any family he talked to. He doesn't talk to his brother. He doesn't have no family mm-hmm. here that he talks to. He may, mom. For all That's we it. know, for all we know, he had a dream, and the dream told him. We don't know, but now we know he. Yeah. That's when when that happens. When you get caught out yeah. like that, it's a very interesting um, situation. And this is going to make it easier for him to resist because he knows what he's resisting. I've had this happen too, by the way, hon. I, yeah. really? I, uh, I, oh, yes, I did a whole sex spell on a guy with menstrual blood and this and that and the other and, and um, you know, whatever. Uh, he, he called me up on the phone. He goes, he goes, you put that stuff on me, right? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was like, how did he know? Because <laughs> um, I was very, very subtle, but he, he got mm-hmm. it. He knew it. And um, that was all I could say. He knew it. And he was a psychic himself, you know. All right. Well, I'm going to do three, uh, 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 read three cards. Then Sister Girl's going to read for you. And then Ollie's going to give you some root work advice. So my, my reading is not going to be about the situation so much as did the fact that he has found out, intuitively found out, is that going to help or harm the situation? Okay, so the first card I have is called the Two of Cups, and this shows a man and a woman facing each other. Each holds a golden goblet. They have between them the symbol for the planet Mercury, which is also sometimes called the um, Caduceus of Asclepius, which means healing. And overhead, there is a, a red lion with wings, just the head of the red lion, like a heraldic symbol. And it stands for communication and sexuality. The woman has a um, wreath of bay leaves. Now, this is going to be important, and I know Ali is going to know why I said that. Because bay leaves stand for secrecy and their wisdom, but it's you have to keep your work on the down low. It's just a little bit he's seeing it. The man is... Um, got roses on his head. His interest in you is a little more mundane, we could say. Um, But this is a meeting of two people that has the potential to be very good. The next card is a difficult card, and and I am sad about it because I wanted to see, oh, yeah, this is going to totally work out. But the next card is a card of some problems. And the idea here is that you may have a lot of work to go through to get this guy. It's called the Ten of Wands, and it shows a man carrying ten sticks trying to get to a beautiful house. Now, what's happening here is he's on a sort of a stage, and the first card is on a stage. There's these little double lines. So the first card is kind of like the emotional interior dialogue about we could have a beautiful engagement, a beautiful love, but the second card shows a lot of carrying a heavy burden you're carrying this burden alone he's not picking up his share of the burden of love in other words he's not saying here let me help you with that honey let's be together so this card is called the ten of wands and the number 10 is the highest number you can get in a deck like this Um, and so that signifies some people say 10 months some people say 10 years but it really just means a supreme amount of effort you're not out of this situation yet. And um, I'm not saying give up on it, 
because the third card is pretty good, but I'm saying this is not going to be an easy walkover. You're not just going to be able to say, I got the doll and all is well. Okay? So um, the third card is a card that is called Strength. And this shows a lady a petting and taming a lion. So um, one of the things about this card is that she's gentle with the lion. So we we know that you are working this doll in the most gentle way, we hope. And it says to me that um, you still have an, op- uh, an ability uh, to prevail, but you're going to really have to um, spend a lot of time soothing this guy. He's like a wild animal. He is not tame yet. So that's my reading on it. Um, let me pass this along to Sister Girl. Okay, so the first card that I got was the Empress reversed. And in my deck, the Vice Versa Tarot, that means it's the Empress, but her back is turned to me. So I see the back of her throne. And what this card is telling me as the first card out is that in this situation, you should be grateful for what you have with him right now like it's not quite what you want but it's something so don't look that don't overlook that um this is a person he's showing up here as the emperor and his back is to me so that's also reversed but the emperor he's considering what he has to offer he's taking his time the emperor is uh can be stubborn uh can be wanting things his way uh but can also be a um a a paternal type, like a nurturing type, who just wants to make sure of the situation before they jump in. Um, and here in, I, I have the, uh, the, what is it, the, the, the world card, the world, who's just saying that you, 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 you may be coming into a new chapter with this guy, a happier chapter with this guy. So all your visualizations and things you've been doing with the doll baby is just starting to pay off because here's the sun card, and it's the sun card reversed. So the sun card is a happy card. It means success. But this is a card where the sun is not brightly shining yet. It's the dawn of the day. Things are just starting to change. Things are just starting to become um, good. And then in the future position, I've got the ten of cups which means that the love you want is there for you, but you have to reach for it. So with this person, it looks like uh, there is a queen of cups reversed here. Perhaps there's a past relationship that makes him think, you know, really consider what he's doing before he jumps in. Uh, He may have been hurt in the past, or he may have just, may just have reservations. But, the Six of Swords here tells me that you are on, follow your heart because you're on the way, you're on the right track. You're on, follow your heart, you're on the way to your heart's desire. Um, the magician here is saying that believe in the work you've done because it's, it's, it's going to pay off. And then the last card here is the Ace of Cups. So the Ace of Cups is a very good relationship card. But in this position, the Ace of Cups is reversed. And it's telling me, don't expect him to be Prince Charming. Don't expect it to be, you know, perfect. It's, it, look at this relationship very realistically. And then, you know, it's, it's good. But just make sure that you see it realistically. 
Wow, that was a very in-depth reading. That's in-depth, and I I I like that um, the way you interpreted those cards. So we're both seeing that there's going to be um, quite a bit of work necessary, um, and don't give up. Nobody is saying give up, but um, there is um, something going on, and that he understands some of what's happened. He's, as Doc mm-hmm. Murphy said, he's awakened to the fact that he is being worked. Um, let's turn this over to Contraman and see what he has to say about what root work he prescribes. Thanks, Kat, and thanks, Mr. Girl. Yeah, I'm going to give you some root work advice, but I'm also going to give you some really practical advice uh, and be very upfront with you. Is um, You need to set a deadline. You need to set a timeline for when you are going to walk away from this because from your initial uh, post, you've been working at this for, for quite some time now. Um, and, and that's fine. Sometimes situations take time, but May and now August, so I, I don't know if, if it's you just started working in May or you've been working much longer, but at some point you need to set a timeline. If things don't change, particularly because you said that, that you know some parts of this is just as bad as when you started, then you need to know that at some point you need to walk away. No relationship should require you constantly doing magic on it. That's not healthy. You you fix the issues, you get to the place where you want to be, and maybe you've got some, you know, mojo bag that you keep around or a honey jar you keep around. But not a situation where you're working a doll baby day in, day out for months. And that's part of the reason why he was able to kind of start to suspect something. That even if he doesn't believe in it, the fact that he said, did you work magic on me, is always a warning sign that things have gone a little too far. So what I want you to do is to take a little bit of a break. I want you to get a small box. It could be a shoe box of some type. You're going to wrap this uh, doll baby in your underwear, your underwear that you have worn. You're going to put a mix of catnip, rose petals, and licorice down at the bottom of this box. You're going to place this wrapped up doll baby on top of it. And then around, you're going to put some bay leaves. This is the bay that this cat saw. Bay leaves is a solar plant, but it does particularly well at hiding our work so that people can't suspect or people are unable to uh, see what's going on. So you're going to place those those bay leaves around this mixture so that you've got this nice little array, this this mixture of uh, herbs, the doll baby on top, and then almost like a little sun. Can you repeat those herbs again, please? Sure. Catnip, rose petals, and licorice. Got it. Okay, thank you. You're then you're going to put the bay leaves like little solar rays around it. Then what I want you to do is take your favorite perfume, add a couple drops of Follow Me Boy, spray in the box, close the box, place it under your bed, and leave it there for a few days. At minimum, three days. At maximum, seven days. Give it a break. But while he's in the box you were going to wear the perfume. So there's still a link there, but it's now a much more subtle link. Okay? You're going to give it a break. You're going to wear the perfume. You're going you're gonna to keep that link going, but you're not going to actively work that doll baby. You need to put him on timeout a little bit. You need to give it a rest. Once okay. that you've done that, once you've given it a break and you're ready to pick it up again, you're going to take the doll baby out 
you're going to take three fish hooks. You're going to anoint these fish hooks with your sexual fluid, and then you're going to pierce his mind, his heart, and his sex. Now, once those fish hooks are in him, they're going to get him really hot for you. But you've got to be very careful now not to hurt yourself every time you work with this doll baby. So I really want you to get small fish hooks and be very careful with this, okay? This will heat this situation up by giving him a little bit of a timeout and then working with those fish hooks. We're ramping up the situation because we need to get him to the point where he is urgently chasing after you. Not just he's good when you're around, but when you're not around, he's also good. Okay? We're trying to change that behavior. The next thing I want you to do is to take his name, write it on a piece of paper three times, turn that paper clockwise, then write your name on top of it three times. Place this in a pan with honey. You're going to pour some honey into a small pan, put the little paper on it, you're going to add a single cinnamon. Then you're going to turn this heat on, very, very low heat. And you're going to slowly warm up the honey. You don't want to bring this to a boil. It should never boil, but it should get warm. You can place your hand over it and warm it. As it's warming up, you're going to call out to him. So-and-so, you are hot for me. So-and-so, you're thinking of me. You're missing me. You're desiring me. You need to come to me and come to me quick. You're going to let the honey mixture cool off, pour it into a bottle. When he finally shows up, Feed him a little bit of that honey with your sexual fluids. Put it in a tea, put it in his coffee, bake it into a cake, whatever you've got to do. You put it with your sexual fluids and you feed him. This way you're working two different ways. You're working directly on him with the doll baby. You're going to work on his senses with the perfume and the oil that you're going to wear when he shows up as well. Because he's going to be smelling you while he's in that box. And he's going to be thinking of you. And then when he shows up and he smells you, it's going, to, uh, it's going to trigger that memory for him. And you're also working on him directly through this honey. Once he shows up, you're feeding him. This is going to be what seals the deal. If it doesn't work after this, then I think you've got your sign. Then you've got a very clear sign and you need to set some boundaries for yourself. But this is what I sense would be ideal for your situation. Let's see if Sister Girl or Miss Cat have anything further to add. How about you, Sister Girl? Do you have anything to add? No, I really love the Follow Me Boy with your perfume because Follow Me Boy is a good-smelling perfume on its own. So that that would be really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I um, I like that working. That's uh, That's pretty strong. Yeah, and I like the fact that it's a three-part working. We've done a show on on multi-part spells, so this kind of would go into that. <laughs> this is a multi-part <laughs> spell. Um, thank you for that, Ollie. All right. Well, I hope I hope that helps you, Sun of Stars, and I would like you to check back in again um, after you try all of this and see if it affects the change. Okay. All right. Next up, our network schedule announcement. The 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Sister Girl of sistergirlconjure.com in Los Angeles, California. Take it away, Sister Girl. Okay, so today I wanted to give everybody a candle spell for money because I think we all need some money coming through these days. So it's pretty simple. You just take one dark green seven-day glass candle, glass and case candle. Uh, You'll need a pinch of cinnamon, a pinch of nutmeg, a pinch of allspice, and a pinch of magnetic sand. You're going to put that on your candle inside, you know, inside the candle. Then you're going to put three drops of Lucky Mojo's money drawing oil. That's my favorite money drawing oil. It always works for me. And so after you dress the candle, you're going to pray the 23rd Psalm over the candle. And then you're going to burn it down. And be open to money coming from different sources. You might hit a scratcher. You might get a job offer. You might have, you know, just be open to money coming to you from from wherever it's going to come. And that's it. Boy, that was basic, that was real, and that was a a simple, good, free spell. I'm going to make a couple of comments on it, if it's okay. Um, Yeah. This is is a green vigil light, okay? So there's a a lot of people who don't know, you know, they they haven't been around long enough. They go, what's a novena? What's a vigil light? Mm -hmm. What's a glass encased candle? What are you talking about? So I'm just going to take a moment to say that those are the same. Um, Vigilite was the name of a manufacturing company back in the 30s, 20s, 30s. They made these glass encased candles for religious purposes, and they were called Vigilite. That was the name, V-I-G-I-L-I-T-E, all one word, Vigilite. But by the time I came along, the Vigilite company, I don't think, was still in existence, but everybody that I knew called these Vigilites. Um, they also called them Novena candles. Novena is from the, uh, you know, Latin. It means nine. Um, and some say it also has in it the roots of Novem, new. So it's, a, you know, a new beginning. But it's a nine, nine-day nine candle. Back in the day, um, a Novena candle would burn for nine days. They were a little bigger in diameter, and they had a much harder, uh, waxier wax, and not so oily. And so did Vigilites burn for nine days. But then, um, as the price of wax got up, they, they decided that uh, candles for poor people were supposed to be cheap, and so they lowered the price rather than uh, keep the quality and let the price raise. price of bread went up, the can- price of candles stayed low, and so they became known as seven-day candles. Um, and in the hoodoo community, when I grew up in the uh, 60s, they were novenas or vigilites, and then... By the 70s, 80s, people were calling them those seven-day candles, as if there were nine-day novenas from the Catholic Church, which there are, but not really so much anymore because they made their candles smaller. 
Then um, they got to the point where they were making very thin tubes. These aren't even really glass-encased candles. These are just glass tubes. And um, those will burn for five days, four days if it's hot. So when we say vigil light, um, we're talking about a class of candles. It's up to you <laughs> to figure it out. There's also what are called jelly jar candles, which are the little glass candles like a jelly jar. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you can buy little votive cups, which you put the votive candle in the votive cup. That's a vigil light, too. They're just smaller. So yep. the idea is that all of them will burn safely for a long time. So that was just a little sidelight on this spell. How about you, Ollie? And that- yeah, I was going to say that the key to the, this is that this is not a standalone that you burn in a few hours, right? You're not, right. you know, the four-inch candle that burns down in a couple hours or the six-inch that also burns down in a few hours. You're looking at working over a series of days with this type of candle. And so it's a bit more intense. You're working, for example, the ability to be able to poke holes in the top so you can put different types of herbs. We could roll standalone candles, but you can't really put a lot on a standalone candle, right? Whereas with a mm-hmm. vigil, you can. You could put a little bit more. Um, you, uh, I remember, uh, for example, the gorgeous glitter that you can see on uh, the Lucky Mojo candles, right? The Missionary Independent mm-hmm. Spiritual Church puts glitter on them. So these are worked over several days. They're not just uh, a, a candle that you do for an hour. It's not a single ritual. It's, it's a dedication. And it comes out of a particular understanding of a candle. I mean, the very word novena, is a dedication over nine days, right? To the type of prayer that you do nine days in a row with different prayers. Uh, you could get a little prayer book. So the candles work in a similar fashion. I do want to say that the more things that you put in there, the more you'll see show up on your glass case candle. Now, within reason, don't put so much on there that you set the thing on fire, right? Don't don't go mm-hmm. crazy on this. But the more you put on there, the more you'll be able to see in the glass encased candle. Glitter, as, as Lucky Mojo does, as a missionary independent spiritual church does, does some really great things on the glass. You can see a lot of images. But also, what sticks to the glass matters. If you've put a little John the Conqueror root chip, like a small chip in there, and that's what gets stuck on the candle, that tells you something versus, say, the bay leaf that gets stuck on that. So the different mm-hmm. things that get stuck on the glass are also things that you can interpret, not just the shape, not just what happens in the candle glass, but the things that get stuck on there, not just the images. What's on there? Is it a piece of herb? Is it a piece of root? I remember one time uh, I was doing a working for a client where we did a vigil light as a sort of last part of this, right? We had done this entire working and involved a mojo bag. We created the mojo bag, sent it out, and I had the vigil light on, on my altar. And I had a very small little pieces of master root in there. And all mm-hmm. the master root chips ended up getting stuck on the glass. Now, master mm-hmm. root does not easily stick to the glass. Anyone who's seen master root, it's like, that is not something that's just going to stick to the glass. All of them did. And so I was able to interpret this that there's a major issue that this person would have would come from themselves, the mastery that they have over themselves, the discipline. And it turned out that that was their greatest struggle. But even with the mojo bag, developing a routine, developing uh, a discipline was very difficult for them. So knowing what gets stuck onto the glass can help you in your divinations and your interpretations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I and, wanted uh, to keep it simple. 
Yeah, no, no. We we got we got a few minutes here to talk about it. So then we're just going to go on here. So um, the other thing is, uh, the, Shiva mentioned the insect that died in it. Um, if you find a dead insect in your uh, candle, that's usually a problem. Okay. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention the. This is not a love candle, but if a dead insect is found dead in your um, love candle, really bad sign. Dead insect in a money candle, pretty bad too. So. Thank you very much for that spell. That's a simple spell, easy to do. And notice Fantastic. she mentioned using powdered herbs. That was important to Sister Girl's mm-hmm. spell, that it was powdered mm-hmm. herbs, not loose, rough herbs. Just Alrighty. a little bit will do. Yeah, just a little bit of each. All right, well, well what would you do for the insect? Um, pray for its soul and, and uh, tell the client that that was a bad sign. Okay. <laughs> um, so... Uh, let's turn this over to Jeremy. Uh, Dr. Weiss is going to tell us about the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival and all the goodness of it. We're not going to have our normal outro. We're going to have him take over. Wow. Um, not going to have the normal outro. Well, uh, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, ha- uh, has been coming along nicely. We've been planning all sorts of amazing goodies. We've got these workshop boxes, which have hundreds of dollars of value to them. Um, we have, uh, uh, it's, I, I, I have been spending all of my time, and so have the presenters, gathering up all of this archaic and amazing information to share with you. We're very excited. We're just absolutely, we don't even know, we're beside ourselves. There's so much going on. We've got skull candles and and altar tricks and tips and mirror box uh, tips and tricks. Just, it's, it's, it's going to be a wealth of information. So um, we're selling out very quickly. I urge everybody to go ahead and uh, get your workshop boxes now and get your tickets now because we're selling out. Okay. Who is our next week's guest? Oh, next week we will be uh, with um, Lady Muse from House of Self-Empowerment in Victorville, California, bringing us the topic of removing toxic energy from uh, uh, using the, um, the waning moon. Okay, removing toxic energy using the waning moon. Wonderful. All right, guys. Well, I hope you all rush out and buy your tickets to the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival 2020. I think you're going to love it. Fifteen presenters, uh, 15 uh, workshops, actually 20 presenters. All right. That's it. Good night. Good night, all. Bye.